Okay. I think uh, correctly, probably Linda makes me come out here, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So excited about being back to back home, home away from home, and being able to teach for the next couple of months, including today will be eight weeks. So thank you for coming. And uh, this is my first time to be teaching in this setting, so I missed a little bit of the... uh, uh, more of the, whatever word I want to use, I better not use it, I may say it's the wrong thing. <coughs> <laughs> but anyway, so excited to be here, see the great crowd, I was blessed last Sunday, it's been a few years since I was here f- for Freedom Fest, but uh, it worked out that I could be here this time, so I'm glad I was, so it's a great day, and so praise the Lord. Well, let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 5, everybody get a handout, or is there handouts? If you didn't get a handout, slip your hand up, and some nice guys back there will make their way up this way quickly. Romans 5, and we'll read verse 20 and 21 for our text today. I started to say I'm set with the time, but this clock says 8 o'clock, so I got two hours. <laughs> but I got my watch on, and I got my phone right here, so <coughs> we're in good shape. Okay, if you have your Bible and want to open them, probably a good idea, the Bible study, isn't it? But anyway, or your phone, whatever in case, whatever you, wherever you got your Bible at, open it. <coughs> Romans 5.20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. One of the uh, uh, blessings I have is when I leave the home church in the 1st of September, I start meditating and praying about what to teach the following year. And usually I get all my uh, inspiration and ideas when I'm in India, but uh, I didn't get to go to India so far this year. I'm praying I'll get to go for the year is over. And, uh, but uh, I keep communicating with Pastor Luke on and off when about January comes to get an idea of what to teach. And... Uh, I would read. I would read some. I read one subject. I read, I think, four or five books on, and Pastor Luke just got through teaching on it. So, <coughs> so I did all that for nothing. <laughs> so, but I believe that this is the uh, series that God wants me to teach. It's something I can relate to, and uh, most of the lessons uh, will be a testimony. It's be an eight-week testimony as much as it is on the doctrine of of grace. And I asked Brother Bruno to play that song this morning, Wonderful Grace of Jesus, because that takes me back when I was in Bible college, the same Bible college that Pastor Tim went to. We went to Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College just out of Los Angeles. 
and uh, my wife and I, we were just newly saved hippies when I started going to Bible college. Uh, Linda had never seen me without a beard and a mustache, so I had to shave my beard and mustache and cut my hair to go to Bible college. So I, uh, we were uh, just green as you could be. But uh, in chapel service, uh, we would sing this song, Wonderful Grace of Jesus, and still to this day, 45 years later, we started going to Bible college in 76, 1976. I graduated in 1980. We still remember those days in chapel where we would sing. We'd never heard it before till we went to the chapel and sing Wonderful Grace of Jesus. Wow, I still remember that just like it was yesterday. And for a couple of hippies who only knew rock and roll songs, uh, that was such a breath of fresh air. So I'm going to teach on wonderful grace of Jesus and, and share my testimony as we do that. So today's lesson, lesson one, is the antithesis of grace. And by that I mean uh, grace is the extreme opposite of sin. That's what we would mean by antithesis, like the Antichrist is the opposite of Jesus. Uh, sadly, we'll say some other things about this, but uh, many people think that grace is to condone sin, or grace is to help us to get by with sin. But that's not what the Bible teaches, that's what our text teaches. It's the anti-sin, anti it's the antithesis of sin. It's far away from sin. Uh, grace is against sin, and, and God provided grace so we wouldn't have to pay the penalty for sin. So that's our, our lesson today, and then we'll share something about grace. Some of you perhaps will never have heard... Uh, what we're going to talk about grace, that's one of the things we love about the home church. You'll probably hear things here. You'll never hear it in the other church. Uh, so we'll hopefully say some things about grace that you've never been challenged to think about before. And uh, Pastor Luke will edit all the heresy I teach out of it, so, <coughs> so they won't have to hear that on the podcast. But anyway, thank God for God's grace. <laughs> And one of the reasons I felt impressed to teach this was because if I had one thing to say, so many things to say, but if I had one thing to say about this past year, from the time I was here last year until now, it would be the grace of God. I can't think of anything better than the grace of God. Uh, just look what happened during the pandemic. The home church got finished. I mean, that's, a, that's the grace of God. And, you know, there's all kinds of reasons. We could list all kinds of reasons. And all of them go together, sacrifice, giving, working, praying. But the, we all know that it comes down to the grace of God. Only the grace of God could have done it. And I think of my own life. I think of when I came here last year. We was in the middle of the pandemic. We went out sewing with masks on. And we still had almost 100 people receive Christ as their Savior out with masks on. And I got the vaccine. Don't tell me to wear a mask anymore. <laughs> People often look at me like, why don't you have a mask on? And sometimes I voice this, but in my mind I'm thinking, I went and got a vaccine that I was, had a conviction against getting. I got it so I could get to Indi India. 
I took a chance on getting sick, dying, getting blood clots. I got the second shot, and I did get all the symptoms that you can get from the second shot. And now you're telling me to wear a mask? Nope. <coughs> I did all that, so the masks are gone. And thank God for all the souls that were saved. And uh, uh, I wouldn't be able to see, say this as if Linda was here. I told Linda I was going to brag on her. She said, don't say anything about me, because she, she would get upset if I said this. But uh, between that April when I came back from India last year until this April, uh, Linda and I together, just the two of us, passed out over 26,000 tracks during the pandemic. Uh, yeah, give the Lord hand. This past Monday, Linda passed out over 300 tracks by herself this past Monday. So Pastor Tim was said I was the real deal. I just do it because Linda does it. <laughs> I would look bad if I didn't do it. But my point is, thank God for his grace. And we're here today, amen? We're here by God's grace. Uh, those of us who didn't get the coronavirus, it was by God's grace. Those who recovered, it was by God's grace. And let me say this, those who went to heaven was by God's grace. And they're in, they're in the place that we're all trying to get to one day. Us, we Christians are weird creatures, aren't we? We want to go to heaven, but we do everything to keep from going there. <laughs> and then when a Christian dies and go to heaven, we think that's such a bad thing. Of course it is if you lose a loved one. And so the way of introduction, I said anything and everything good that has happened in our lives is because of God's grace. Amen? Anything good, everything good that's happened is because of God's grace. And sadly, many whom teach about grace do not understand grace. I try to keep up with what others are teaching. I watch some Christian TV, and I... Uh, get real mad every time I turn the TV, Christian TV on because you hardly find anybody who's teaching the Bible. Thank God for the few that do. And it's my opinion and it's my observation that most people who talk about grace uh, don't understand about grace. They haven't, uh, they haven't, seems like they're reading a different Bible than I'm reading. And <coughs> I went to the uh, Barnes and Noble bookstore this week. I do that, and I go in and I catch up on my uh, Muslim theology because I know I'm going to be out witnessing to Muslims, which I did last night. So I catch up on that a little bit. And they have all the new. If you go to the religious section, they have the new authors, and and one of the big, one of the big boys in the uh, uh, name it and claim it and the faith and the faith movement was uh, talking about grace, and uh, he said. He made the statement that uh, some people, some Christians believe that God chastises you, but that's not true. I don't know what Bible he's reading, but <coughs> I just got through reading the book of Jeremiah, and I just read uh, Lamentations chapter 3 today. <laughs> God chastises his people. And if you read the book of Hebrews, the book of 2 Corinthians, God chastises his people. So there's a, an example of a person who's taken the doctrine of grace and made it something that it's not supposed to be. And uh, in the way of introduction also there, the Greek transliteration of grace is charis, and we pronounce it charis. And sadly, many people have taken that <coughs> word, which means gift, and made it into 
denomination. We call it the charismatic movement. I have no bones to pick about it. I know some wonderful Christians are in the charismatic movement, maybe better Christians than I am. But that's really a misnomer because the charismatic movement started in 1906 in Azusa Street in Los Angeles, and then it, it sort of exploded and became big in 1908. And so my question would be, where was God from <coughs> the time that Jesus died on the cross until 1908? <laughs> There's always been a charismatic movement. <laughs> the grace has always been there. Uh, Spurgeon knew about grace. Moody knew about grace. John Wesley knew about grace. The Anabaptists knew about grace. Martin Luther and the Lutherans knew about grace. Grace has always been there. And thank God for the wonderful grace of Jesus that has empowered his church, and that's why we're, we're here today. Last night, I, my last thing I did before I came back to the church was to stop and fill my car up with gas. And I'll probably say that, something about that in a moment, but I went to a gas station for some reason. Everybody there was partying and cursing. I couldn't get the words out of my mind all night long and just just a wicked situation. But I did what I would do in that case. I just passed out tracts and invited people to church. And, and I gave the lady inside the gas station a tract and invitation to our summer events and a, and a Guy was in there, and he said, uh, can I have one of those? And we gave him one. I went back out to the, to, to the car and got a track to take to him while he was gassing up. And he said, can I ask you a question? What's the difference between Pentecostals and Baptists? And I could have gave him a long dissertation. But I said, well, probably the main difference is uh, they say they're Pentecostals because they're trying to relive and recapture what happened on the day of Pentecost. That's what the name is. And uh, they say that uh, uh, when they speak in tongues, that that's what they were doing on the day of Pentecost. I said, but as a Baptist, I believe that when they spoke in tongues, we believe in speaking in tongues, by the way. It's in the Bible. Uh, they did speak in tongues. And I would be one who would say that God can even give the gift of speaking in tongues now. The difference is when they spoke, in the Jewish or Hebrew language, all the other 16 languages that were represented heard them speaking in their language. So that's what the difference is, that we believe that they had the miraculous power to speak, and those who were listening could hear in their own language. It would be like me going to India, speaking in uh, my Kentucky English, which no one can hardly understand anyway, do you be like me going to India and speaking English, and all those who speak Hindu or Telugu or the, any other 1,600 language in India would hear what I'm saying. So, so uh, the word charis means God's grace. It's, it's, it's a wonderful gift of God. We've often tried to, to define grace. Someone says grace is unmerited favor, and certainly that is. Others have used the acrostic grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. But uh, those are good terms. But I, after studying this and having studied about grace for 47 years, I really don't have a real good definition of grace. All I can tell you, I know what it is. All I can tell you is I've experienced it. And all I can tell you is when we read the Bible, we read about grace. 
uh, we read about God, we see God's grace. And everything about, about God is about His grace. So maybe we can get a better understanding because of that. Well, in the moments we have left, our uh, text gives us three truths about grace that we're going to look at today. Three truths about grace found in this simple text, and what a great text it is to get us started about grace. Number one is the Old Testament law is also the grace of God. The Old Testament law is also the grace of God. That's what the Bible says right here in verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So by God's grace, he gave the law. He gave the law so that people could have relationship with God. Man had rebelled against God. The heathen nations had made idols to replace God. Uh, they became polytheistic instead of monotheistic. And so God in his mercy chose a nation beginning with Abraham and <coughs> through that came Moses and God gave them a law so that this, by these laws they could have a relationship with God. That's mercy. Uh, that's a, that's a merciful God that would say, in spite of your wickedness, in spite of your rebellion, I've made a way that so we can still have a relationship. And God made all these laws, all the, the Jewish laws, all the Ten Commandments, all those ceremonial laws, all the laws about bringing the sacrifice and, and the high priest coming in and putting it on the Holy of Holies so that God could have fellowship with the with a sinful creature. So that's, uh, that's grace. In other words, everything that God does is grace. And uh, we could extend it, Pastor Tim. I've been trying to watch uh, every time I get Wi-Fi, his sermons on who is God, and he's covered a lot of these great truths. But uh, even we, we could even extend it to even God's judgment against sin is grace. That's God's grace in action. And uh, thank God that he, that he does that. Uh, <coughs> some people think that grace is just a New Testament doctrine. Uh, if my memory can serves me right, grace is found 163 times in the Bible. And 39 times God's grace is found in the Old Testament alone. And 66 more times... The word grace is translated as favor in the Old Testament. So that's uh, over a hundred times in the Old Testament alone that God talks about his grace. And those of us who read the Old Testament, as I'm doing right now, and most of us are doing, we, it's full of God's grace. We would not be here, sitting right here right today, if God did not have grace in the Old Testament. So it's an Old Testament doctrine as well as it has in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, uh, in the Hebrew, <coughs> there was uh, only one word that was translated as favor and grace. So when we read the Old Testament and we see the word favor, that's from the same Hebrew word that grace is translated from. Last week, if you read the bulletin in the pastor's notes, in the pastor <coughs> Tim's notes, he said about the, the day, the entire day, but specifically about Freedom Fest, he said, pray that God will give us grace and favor, <laughs> grace and favor. And so thank God that we can, we can pray that. Okay, uh, the first bullet under that 
We would not know our need to repent if not for the law. Romans 7, 7. The Bible says we're, that the law entered in. It exposed our sin. And without the law, we would not know that we're sinners. So thank you, God, for your law. Thank you, God. When I read the Old Testament, I read the law. I read Psalm 119. I read about God's judgment. I read the Ten Commandments. I read that I should not take the name of the Lord's name in vain. I wish I could preach that sermon to everybody I was around yesterday. I read that uh, all those things that I love the God with all my heart. I'm not to covet. I'm not to commit adultery. I'm not to lie. And I read those things. And, you know, a self-righteous person would read those and say, thank God I haven't done them. But those of us who are sinners read that. We say, I've done every one of those. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. So, therefore, God's goodness, which is God's grace, Romans 2, 4, leads us to repent. It's God's grace that exposes our sin through the law, and then it's by God's grace that he leads us to repent. And those of us who've repented, I hope that includes everyone in this room, it was by God's grace that we did that. It wasn't because you decided to become holy. It wasn't because you decided to turn over a new leaf. It wasn't you just decided or I decided to become a wonderful person. That God's grace came to us, convicted us, and God's grace caused us to repent. So thank you, God. And then uh, <coughs> Jesus made it clear if we do not repent, we will all perish, Luke 13, 3. Jesus said it, if, if you don't repent, you will perish. So thank God for this law. Thank God for, for, the, for grace seen all throughout the Bible. And then here is the, the, the crust of the lesson today, the antithesis. Number two, there has always been more grace than sin. There's always been more grace than sin. Say, what, if we just focused on sin, that's, that would be uh, hard to believe. If I didn't believe the Bible, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be able to wrap my head around that. That there's more grace than sin. Imagine all the wicked sin that's taken place in our world. But there's been more grace, the Bible says, in Romans 5.20. Sin has abounded. And yes, it has. Sin has abounded. I was in a church service about a month ago. I wasn't preaching. I was visiting in a church. And the pastor, he meant well. I mean, he was just teaching and preaching and the he didn't know there was weirdos in the, in the, in the service like me. It was my messed up brain. And uh, he said, think about the worst sin you've ever done. And I said to myself, please don't tell me to think about the worst sin I've ever done. I don't want to think about the worst. I don't want to think about any sin I've done. Uh, I only know which one would be, would be worse. But so I said that, say that, think about it, but don't think about it. <laughs> Think about all the sin in the world, but don't think about all the sin in the world. And just imagine the wicked. I mean, just, just imagine what took place in the last 24 hours in the United States of America. Imagine the wickedness. Multiply that by India. Multiply that by all the other countries in the world. Multiply. And then <coughs> multiply that by 6,000 years of mankind's sin. And the wick just just take the sin that's been committed in this room right here. Wow. What if we were to stand up and say, I think this is the worst sin I've ever done. 
I wouldn't do it. That's the, you'd have to shoot me before I'd do it. Uh, you'd have to take me to jail or whatever before I'd stand up here and confess uh, sin. And th those of you who heard me teach and preach, you've heard me say this before. Uh, <coughs> most of you know I'm a, my past. You know I'm a, I was a terrible sinner. But <coughs> uh, most of you have only heard me say I was a hippie. I've never said what all that involves, but I know what it involves. Amen. Most of you have heard me say I used to party, but you don't know what that involves. I know what that involves. Those are just nice cover-ups for wicked, 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 wicked. And God says that there's always been more grace than sin. That's grace, isn't it? <laughs> that God would give more grace than sin? Only God could do that, that's for sure. God's word reveals the wickedness of sin, Romans 7, 13. It's, it's exceedingly sinful. It's exceedingly wicked. Uh, there's nothing nice about it. There's nothing nice about my sin. It's just wicked, sinful, evil. Sin is, sin is wicked. Uh, I told you about people cursing last night. I was at a place the other day, and there was a lady with a Bible on her dash, and kids in her car using the most foul language I've ever heard in my life. I've been around some cursing people. But this lady was cursing. It was child abuse. And uh, years ago, those who know me in the past, years ago, I would have went and preached a sermon to that lady. And, uh, uh, but the Lord has directed me in a different way in the last few years. I just, everybody I hear cursing and this is sort of a conviction I have it's almost a vow that I've made I say almost so I can get out of it if I want to <coughs> in case the guy's about 300 pounds and got tattoos all over him I've made a little way to get out of it <laughs> but if I hear someone curse I give them a track that's sort of a way that God tells me to give a track I try to give a track to everybody but if somebody's cursing across the street I'll walk across the street and give them a track if someone's cursing in a restaurant, I'll walk over and, and give them a track. And usually, sometimes I they want to beat me up, but usually they get the message. Usually it's like, uh, okay, you've got my number, and I just give them a track. But this lady, I wanted to invite her kids to vacation Bible school. I didn't want to offend her. And so I just went over and gave her a track, and I wanted to say, I've never seen somebody with a Bible in their dash using words like you're, like you're using then last night, the same case, about four ladies, four or five ladies, just filthy. But the thing that broke my heart, the thing I couldn't, that kept me awake all night was, in both cases, there was little girls sitting there listening to their moms talk like that. And in my flesh, I wanted to do something. But I remember how wicked I was when our daughter Samantha was five years old. I remember the wickedness, the things that she witnessed, the things that she saw. And I was reminded of the grace of God. <laughs> there go by, but by the grace of God. Amen. So God's grace reveals wickedness. God's holiness demands his judgment on sin. All these verses, it won't take time to, to develop them, but you can see them there, 25, 16. God's... Uh, Righteousness and holiness demands judgment on sin. Who would want a God that didn't judge sin? <laughs> Who would want to serve a God that didn't hate sin? 
I mean, what's the point of it? It'd just be more wickedness added on to wickedness. Amen. Thank God we have a God who hates sin. He hates my sin. And uh, sometimes I feel so guilty about that, and I wish that God would cut me some slack. But he hates sin, the Bible reminds us. Proverbs 6, 16 t- talks about those sins that God hates, and I've done every one of them. He's, and, and still to this day, I do some of them. Don't look at me so pious, so do you. <coughs> I, I, I do confess that I'm wicked, but uh, <coughs> I know I'm around some other wicked people too, so anyway, I'm in good company. Revelation 21, 27 says, No wickedness will enter heaven. None. But guess what? I'm going to enter heaven. And so are you. That's grace, isn't it? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that grace. Well, we got a few minutes. We're going to play a song. And this is my and Linda's favorite song right now, Linda being my wife. This is our favorite song right now. And uh, this is this. If I would have written a song, I would have written this song right here. Great testimony.
But amen. amen. Okay, <laughs> then the last thought on that before we close the last point. Uh, grace has more abounded. I already mentioned that, but just chew on that just for a second. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. It's an amazing thought. That for the billions and billions and billions of sins, there's Billions and billions and billions of grace to cover those sins. God's grace is plentiful, Psalm 103, verse number 8. There's more grace. It's plentiful enough to forgive everyone. God's grace reaches as high as the heavens, Psalm 103, 11. As high as the earth is from the heaven, God's grace is that high. Thank God that sin can't reach the heaven, amen? But God's grace can reach the heavens. And then it's when we realize the depth of sin that we appreciate the grace of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Great sinners know great grace. Uh, thank God for his grace. I was reading, reading a devotion book that I'll be quoting in camp and quoting almost every sermon lesson I teach by Dr. DeHaan medical doctor who was the original editor of the Daily Bread. It's a thick devotional, but he was telling a story about a missionary, went to Africa, went to a, to a village that never heard the gospel before. He was preaching the gospel, and the, and the village chief stood up and said, take Jesus down from the cross. I'm the one who should be on the cross. He never heard the gospel, but he got, he got the message that clear, and and, and that, that uh, quickly, thank God for those of us who got the message, amen, amen. that we're the ones who should have been on the cross, not Jesus. He gave his blood. I'm reminded of that story in Luke chapter 7, verse 47. I love the story where Jesus forgave this terrible, uh, wicked woman sinner. And much like those ladies I heard last night. And Jesus said, she loves me much because she's been forgiven much. Jesus said, if you've been forgiven a whole lot, you'll love me a whole lot. Again, that's grace, that God would even let me mention his name. And, and now he lets me love him because he's forgiven me. And then lastly, God, grace is God's answer to man's dilemma. In our text, Romans 5, 21. Grace is God's answer to man's dilemma. Sin has power to bring death. Romans 5, 21 re reminds us. That as sin hath reigned unto death, James says, uh, lust, when it is conceived, brings forth sin. When sin is finished, it brings forth death. And 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56, the sting of sin is death. death. Sin has the capability of bringing death, but grace has power to bring eternal life, the Bible says in Romans 5, 21b. That's greater. That's the antithesis of sin. Sin can bring death, but grace can bring eternal life. We'll talk about that next week in our second lesson, but in conclusion, the devil brought sin into the world, but God brought grace into the world. Romans 5.15 says, whereby one man sin entered the world, that was Adam because Satan attempted Adam, but by another man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into the world to pay for our sin so that the, we could be forgiven and go to heaven. John 1.17, Jesus was that one who was sent. He was full of grace. In John 1.29, the Bible says, When John saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. God sent grace. Yes, God had grace all through the Bible, but uh, 2,000 years ago, God sent grace personified into this world for me and for you. This is why we call it wonderful grace, that he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Thank God for uh, wonderful grace. Okay, let's stand. And maybe while we're standing, as I talked this morning, maybe there's someone here today, and, and you'd say, Pastor Mike, God spoke to my heart. Uh, I know I've repented, but there's, there's a sin in my life that I want to just ask God to help me with today. Maybe there's someone here who's never trusted Jesus as your Savior. But whatever, if God spoke to your heart, or you're just thankful for this, this grace. Uh, maybe we could include you in closing prayer today. If God spoke to your heart, slip your hand up. Anyone like this, pray for me, preacher. I, God spoke to my heart. God bless you. Others, pray for me. I needed that. Pray for me. Pray for me. But I would tell others about this grace. Pray for me. I'm going to ask Brother Brian Burnett if he would dismiss us in prayer and bless all these who have prayer, their hands raised. And as we're praying... If you would remember a young mother named Molly, she's one of our neighbors. She just said they were going to do surgery to move a, remove a tumor. And when they went to get the tumor, the cancer had spread all over her abdomen. So please remember Molly when you go home today and through the week. Brother Brian.